Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings down in Riverton, Wyoming. I specifically want to talk to you today about the rubs that those guys have. And I'm not talking about back rubs. I'm talking, or foot rubs for that matter. I'm talking about the rubs that you put on meat, seasonings. I've been using the High Mountain Seasonings rubs for a couple years now. And where I find they just absolutely shine is cooking duck breasts and goose breasts on a super hot grill or over super hot fire. What I like to do is I I really, really like the garlic pepper rub that High Mountain Seasonings offers. And I like to, I like to liberally coat a duck or a goose breast in that stuff in a mixture of olive oil. And then I take it and I put it on a smoking hot grill, hot as I can get it. And I sear that thing just like a ribeye steak. And I pull it off there at about medium rare, um, 120, 125. I let it sit for a little bit, not too long. I slice it thin and then I sprinkle more of that garlic pepper rub over the top. I have gotten so many compliments. Guys are just wolfing that stuff down, whether it's at my house or whether it's in a hunting camp or wherever it may be. And it's not me. It's the High Mountain Seasonings, guys. You need to be you need to be using those products. If you're like me and you might be a little bit, I don't know, uncreative in the kitchen, check out their full lineup of recipes on their website as well. High Mountain you literally has ideas printed out right on there and recipes, easy to follow directions right on the website. I'm telling you, you're going to take these ducks and these geese that are always good eating, always have been good eating, and you're going to take them to the next level with High Mountain Seasonings. So, hey, make sure you're checking out everything that they've got, both at HighMountainJerky.com, their website, and in your local grocery store or whatever sporting goods retailer that you use. It's the product is probably there. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 51 of the Wingman Podcast. And today I have Brian Tucker with High Mountain Seasonings uh, down in Riverton, Wyoming. Dude, thanks for being on the podcast. How you been? Great, man. Always good to talk to you guys. Enjoy, you know, visiting, honey stores, everything. This is this is always a treat. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we got you into the 21st century, you know, on, on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and this thing seemed to be working pretty pretty flawlessly. Watch now. I totally jinxed it. And it'll lock, right, up, knock it'll wood, lock right? up on us. But, oh, man, whatever, whatever. So what do you guys got going on down in Riverton, man? What's the good What's the good word? Uh, just, you know, kind of plugging through the craziness of uh, everyday life like everyone else right now, you know. I mean, we're... We've been going nonstop for over two years now and come out with a few new products. We're offering uh, three-pack bundles now on our website. So if you're, not quite sure, yeah, if you're not quite sure what you want to try with our rubs and all that, we have a, a kind of discounted rub pack set up so you can take it, try it. I mean, perfect time of year. People are camping pretty soon, going to go on vacations. You know, just pick one up and take it with, and you're pretty much covered for anything you're going to cook. Turkey season. Turkey season. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's... We're looking at next week, uh, uh, the opener over the mountain in Sheridan, Wyoming. But uh, 
as far as us goes, it, it's we're not going to actually get after them until about the 14th of April. That's going to be oh, our okay. first trip. But, uh, dude, let's back up a quick second. For people who maybe aren't familiar with High Mountain Seasonings, you know, we've, we've been a partner with you guys. Wingman and Eastman's has been a partner with High Mountain Seasonings for a long time. And yep, we, yep. we love the relationship we have with you guys. Um, you make awesome, awesome products. But tell us about the company. What is it? What can, what, you know, what, maybe if people have never heard about this, tell us about it. No. So it's, you know, we pride ourselves on like that old Western type flavors, you know, it's how the company started, especially when it comes to jerky, you know, making your own jerky at home is the bread and butter of the company, which started everything, you know, 1991. So we're 31 years in now. Wow. Um, yeah. The original owners who started everything bought a seasoning roaster, started it in their kitchen, you know, 30 plus years later, we're over 200 products all over the world, all over the U.S. Um, yeah, if there's something you want to do with your venison, wild game, turkey, anything like that, or even your domestic products or or vegetables, we've got something for everybody. And it's just been it, every year, it just seems to grow a little bit more, a little bit more. And everyone wants to know where their meat came from, the do-it-yourselfers, the home processors, all the above. You know, we got a little bit for every single person out there, you know, I mean, if you've never tried it before, our instructions make it so easy. They're so cut and dry that when I started, when I was 19 years old, trying to process my own game, I was able to figure it out. And it just, it's that simple. So, yeah, no, I, I had been using high mountain seasonings even before the relationship that we have with you guys now. And right. I think you're probably most well known for your DIY jerky kits. You know, 100%. If, you look, if you look at social media, that's your, your Instagram handle, high mountain jerky. You know what I mean? Right. And mm -hmm. I know, I know that people, especially around, around in our little enclave, dude, they make jerky out of goose. They make jerky out of duck. They make jerky out of turkeys. They make jerky. out. I mean, you name it, not to mention other wild game or like you said, beef. Um, but it's super, super easy. And I, I've actually done a couple videos for you mm -hmm. guys. Uh, yep. highlighting some of your products you know the from making jerky to snack sticks you guys have it all and i i don't think there's a literally a time when i cook something when i'm not probably using a high mountain seasonings product i'm doing I've, I've got i'm doing antelope backstraps on the on the grill tonight for supper oh, and the garlic pepper is already set out <laughs> well that's just it it's one of those we've got something for everything you know and like you're talking about the jerkies you know being well known i actually did an interview last week and there are people who do fish jerky with our kids they'll take salmon they'll take trout they'll take those types of fish they will follow the instructions swap out the venison wild game turkey for fish do it the same and there are people who absolutely love it i bet that sounds really really good yeah yeah, you never thought, you know, never in my wildest dreams would I've ever even thought of trying fish jerky till I worked here. And then there's customers who just get the wild hair that try it and they rave about it. I'm going to have to do that. I'm definitely right? going to yeah. have to do that. I'm, I'm so busy making, if I have, I've got a little bit of duck and goose left in the freezer. In fact, no, I don't have any duck left. Okay. Um, we've pretty much eaten that all and processed it all. Um, but I've got a couple bags of goose and that's definitely going to go to jerky because man, my kids eat jerky like it's going out of style and your guys's kits are just man it's just like follow directions boom done yeah it makes my job super easy i won't lie i mean the fact that the quality <laughs> is there the ease of use of product i mean it 
it can sell itself for the most part. If you're looking for something, like I said, we have 25 different jerky kits that we offer. So in 14 different flavors. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So yeah. you talk about your job, what, to quote one of my favorite nineties or early two thousands movies, what would you say you do here? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe a little bit of everything. You know, my official title is national sales manager. So I'm, I'm big in sales, handle a lot of corporate accounts, uh, customer service, phone calls, uh, just, you know, people having issues with stuff. They call us in here at the office after hours. We got our 1-800 number goes to a call center. I get it at home, you know, to help people walk through their, their kits, product development, product testing, you know, marketing media, like working with you guys. I mean, a little bit of everything out there, you know, first slower, I'll go pack packages and shipping or, or help in our production department. You know, it's just kind of, you know, I'm one tr or a multi-trick pony, I guess. You yeah. You're, you're not a one trick pony. Absolutely. Well, no. we came down and filmed part of a video with you guys. We, we got together with you a couple of years ago and did a duck hunt on a local yep. water, on a local watershed and mm -hmm. had a good time, had a, a great time. Actually, it turned out to be a, it's one of my favorite videos we've ever done. And then we came was, down yeah. and you guys let us come in and opened up the facility and gave us the big tour mm -hmm. and showed us everything. And I was shocked, Brian, that you guys get so much done with so few people. You got a right. big, your facility's big, but yep. you're like, we walked in one room and we're packaging spices in there and seasoning yep. mix, right? Yep. And then yep. these, they run through an order get it packaged and then everybody shuffles into the next room and starts packaging it ready for shipping. And you had a right. kid in there, you had a kid in there that was like the box master, man. He could push these boxes faster than anybody I've ever seen. It's, oh. it's on the video. You guys got to go see yep. it. He, he loved, you know, and he, he would put on a show and we'd take tours through, you know, he's yeah. It, it was always fun having him on the line for sure. We bring people through just like, watch this. You know, he, he knew like it's, it's showtime when people would come in. And yeah, he, it was a great experience for sure. So you guys will have to come back down. We've actually repurposed our old jerky building. We're in the process of making an entire bottling facility just for bottled seasonings, nothing else. No kidding. Yep. Yep. That line, those lines from the rub bottles, the medium burger bottles, small shakers, are starting to pick up traction for kind of year round because people cook year round, obviously, you know, right. not just hunting seasons. Um, and yeah, those, those are starting to really blow the doors off on sales. And so yeah, we have a whole facility now dedicated just two bottles that we're in the process of uh, doing a remodel on. Definitely going to have to come down and do that. Cause you know, some of your, your venison rub, for example, I think is super versatile. And I, I, I use that thing on duck breast on, I used it on Sandhill cranes. Um, that I brought back from Oklahoma and cook it right. just like you'd cook a venison steak or, or even a beef steak, a ribeye for that matter, season it up hot, fast, ready to go. That yep. seasoning is so versatile. I use that stuff. I mean, I think, I think the last time I said, Hey dude, I need some more seasoning. You sent me like four bottles. I think I got yeah. one, I think I got one left. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to get another order headed your way. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's the beauty of our product, though. You know, like you said, venison rub, it's a perfect example. It's so versatile and everything. Just because it says it's for one product doesn't mean you can't use it on another. I mean, we've got people, um, chefs, who will take our salmon rub and they use it on chicken. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I've done that. I've done, yeah. I've used it on pheasants, actually, yep. and it's really good, you know, and yeah. I've, I've made, and I made a brine out of that rub. Oh, really? Okay. Some, all I did was make, it wasn't, it's not really a brine, but it's just an olive oil. 
like a marinade. Okay, marinade. Mixed, there you go. I mix yeah. a couple of tablespoons of that with you know half a cup or a cup of olive oil, and mm -hmm. soak and soak those pheasant breasts in there, and then grill them. Looks like you'd grill chicken, and right. do just the, the the flavoring from that salmon rub is so good. I used I put the trail dust on eggs, fry eggs awesome. in the morning, sprinkle the trail dust on them. Yeah. Dude. Try uh, you have any of our rib rub or do I need to send you some? I Try do. I actually eggs. have I have five or six bottles of rib rub. <laughs> Try that on eggs. I'm not even kidding. Really? Yep. It's got a touch of sweetness with a little bit of savory heat. Yeah, it's you don't think it works, but I tried it one day just to try it and yeah, it works. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's I'm always looking for a way to to spice up eggs a little bit, make them make right. them better. But oh man, that is yeah. If you guys haven't you guys listen to this. If you haven't checked out highmountainjerky.com, you need to go do it. You need to follow, find these guys on Instagram. You guys are always throwing out ideas on Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook. You know, you're always throwing out recipe ideas and featuring customer recipes that have been sent mm -hmm. to you. And yep. your products are top of the line, whether or not you want to make jerky, snack sticks, you know, summer sausage or you're just seasoning up breasts and, you know, or meat in the kitchen to, to cook. Right. Um, I said breasts. I, I, I meant, you know, duck and goose breasts, obviously, but um, <laughs> we're following you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're picking up on them laying down. So, right. Exactly. And, and like I said, I appreciate you saying that because it's a hundred percent, like no joke that makes everyone's job here. Not just my job, everyone's job easier. Our pride in quality and efficiency and just the ease of use of our product, I think is what really makes us stand out. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Brian, because having the first time I ever made my own like, DIY jerky, mm -hmm. um, I don't remember when it was. It was a long time ago now, and it was goose jerky. I DIYed a bunch of goose jerky for um, actually to go elk hunting, take to elk camp, and used a high mountain season kit. I think it was probably the original kit. That's still one of my favorites is the original. It's the product that started it all. Yeah, and it's so simple. I mean... It's so simple that a caveman like me can can do it. You know, it's like cut up the meat, follow the directions, and you're good to go. I hate to, to poach a saying, but it's true. And I no, think, you're right. I think that's one of the things that makes your product so so popular is that it doesn't. It's not intimidating. You know, because right. people think, oh, jerky. I don't. I don't know how to do that. Or wild game. What, what do you do with the geese you shoot? What do you? How do you cook duck? we're constantly answering those questions we're constantly trying to show people look it's just lean red meat it's all it is mm -hmm. it's all it is you can do it any any way that you could do it use a piece of lean beef you could do the same thing with duck or goose exactly and i mean and you're going to cook it the same way too talking about those you know people are so afraid of wild game especially with ducks and geese i found they want to cook it to where it's chalky livery overcooked oh. If, if you're not doing jerky or sausage, medium rare. You've got to do it medium rare. Medium rare at most. Because there's yep. flavors in that meat that come out when you cook it past medium rare that Correct. are off-putting. And people don't realize that. They're like, oh, you know, I, I want I don't want any red in, in that because it's wild. I don't know where. Mm -mm. Yes. Yes. I, it tastes I mean, like meat if you cook it like meat, you know? exactly i mean and it's honestly wild meat's gonna be better for you because it's not gonna have all these steroids or hormones and stuff injected into these animals that you can buy at the store and again the wild game flavor everyone you know takes with antelope duck goose 
venison, it's because it's overcooked or it's mishandled in the field. Right. It's not the animal. It's the field prep that has been, whether it's just lack of knowledge, um, you know, for whatever reason, or overcooking it. Like I always make the joke, you're killing it a second time by overcooking it. <laughs> and <laughs> That is spot on, dude. And, and you are. And then it just ruins it. And everyone has a bad experience. I can remember growing up, and I mean, and it's nothing, no fault of my mother. She didn't know. She did grow up in a hunting-type family. My dad shot an antelope. She cooked it to where it was that livery chalky flavor. I hated antelope my entire childhood growing up. I was like, dad, never shoot one of those again if that's what it's going to taste like, you know? And then as I got older and started hunting myself and experimenting, I was like, wait a minute. This is what I'm missing out on? Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, you figure it out. And it's just, again, it's just that natural fear of something that's wild. But what are wild animals eating? I mean, deer and antelope, they're out in the same fields as your cows i mean right. anything like that and it's just yeah everyone's has their own unique flavor and their own style and they're all complement each other. and that's the nice thing with high mountain too we don't want to cover the flavor we want to complement the taste of the meat Absolutely. especially with wild game yeah yeah no and you guys do you know every, I, I haven't obviously it's a seasoning you use too much of it and it's going to taste like the seasoning but right, i don't right. know man i just I, I've been a fan of you guys' stuff for a really long time. And like I said, we've been we've been partnered together for quite a while now, quite a few years. And it's a partnership that I cherish, um, both on the wingman side and the Eastman side of things. And it, it's a partnership that I, too, it's a, it, you guys produce a product that I use. You know, I was right, using it right. before all of this happened to me. And I'm, I still use it to this day. I'd be using it regardless and so right. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. You can find it anywhere. You can get it online. You can get it at big retailers. You can get it at the local, we can get it here at the local grocery store. You know, mm -hmm. it's sporting goods stores. You can get it just about anywhere. And so guys, if you've got some extra goose or duck laying around in your freezer or an old turkey breast you haven't done anything with, get it out, trim up, maybe the freezer burn, trim that off. So you get that off there slice it up, make some jerky out of it, maybe make some snack sticks, do whatever. Look up some of these seasonings. You want to eat some goose breast or duck breast, or you got a ribeye or a sirloin from the grocery store. Sprinkle this stuff yep. on there. It's just, like you said, it's as good or it's as good on domestic as it is on wild. So Right. And that's the beauty of the product. You know, we're a hunting-based company originally. So everyone thinks of like hunting and fishing when they talk to us. They don't realize like we have a... Oh, a gourmet burger line you know i mean you can make burger out of a lot of animals but you know burger 99 percent of what people are going to eat are going to be from a cow and we have lines you know specific to that too we're not trying to exclude anybody we want to include um even people who don't eat meat they're great on vegetables too you know right. it's it's yeah it's it's super fun it's versatile experimenting with some products here that aren't necessarily designed originally what they were for and figuring out oh wait a minute that is that's awesome on you know on that application that's the beauty of where I work. I mean, I can't complain at all. I mean, I should be 500 pounds because of this, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. You've gained at least 50 since I met you. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine the food that circulates around that office, dude. Oh, it's, I literally have to get up at about every two hours and make myself get up away from my desk from work on orders or stuff like that and just just stretch my legs and not just be sedentary and it's 
especially in the fall time, you know, holidays. Oh my gosh, man. It's been, yeah. I would bet there's good eats there all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. That is awesome. But well, dude, you kind of are a man of many talents too, by the way, where you're not, you, this national sales manager gig at, at high mountain you're but you're also you were a high school shop teacher i used to be up years ago I was, yep. mm-hmm. and you're you're still a basketball official with the wyoming um high school athletic association correct yep yep you you're a busy guy i ain't well and the add into that too we uh my wife and i own a small little cattle ranch too so i uh yeah Run about thirty. I mean, not, nothing huge. We run about thirty head of cows, but it's another another venture, another way to make a little bit of money and to keep me busy. And you know, the fifty pounds I gain here, I can burn off there. So. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, ranch and ranch and make you skinny if you do it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we're in the middle of calving season right now, and then we're redoing a redoing parts of our house. Got a little one on the way. It's always something going on here, you know. So, busy guy, busy guy. Yep. You, you know what you're having? A uh, little girl. So a little I'm, girl. We are. Yep. I'm. I'm in over my head for sure. I'm already getting you down. Yeah. Right. But uh, you'll have to get a male dog just to add some testosterone back into the house. Oh, uh, we got two male dogs in the house, so we're uh, I think we're uh, we're gonna even it out a little bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's I think it's one more, it's the next learning curve in my life, just kind of uh, you know, little boy, sure. I mean, you know, there's things to learn there, but obviously, growing up, yeah, I would want them to do other things we do now. It's gonna be hopefully daddy's little girl that uh, you know, the whole shotgun cleaning on the <laughs> on the porch and all that stuff you know those jokes have already started so dude you've seen yeah. i mean you've seen what i deal with i got two little yep. girls and they are they go everywhere with me they yep. go they go the duck blind they go do something i mean they're I, you know i i think my generation i'm a, i'm about how old are you 35 yeah see i'm about i'm about a decade over i'm i'll be 44 in a few in a few weeks here um man i i kind of feel like my generation was one of the was one of the last that was brought up like hunting's like that's that women don't belong at the duck blind or right right you know that that sentiment was still pretty strong when i was a kid you know where girls didn't really hunt it was it was all it was it was a boy thing it was a guy thing and man that's changed and i'm glad it has because me too my wife loves to hunt. She loves to fish. My kids love to hunt. They love to fish. Obviously, they're too little to actually participate, but they go, you know. Right. And, you know, it's six degrees outside on um, this winter, and my my six-year-old's like, Daddy, you know, I'm thinking, Daddy, I'm cold. Daddy, I'm cold. Daddy, can I have another donut? You know, it's it's like, not cold. Daddy, there's birds. Get down. You know, it's like, get them out there, get them involved, man. You're going to love it. You're going to, you're going to love it. They're, she's going to be your little, uh, she's going to be your little buddy. That's for sure. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to a big time. I mean, I think you're, you're on the right on the head with that, you know, about the whole stigma of it. It's a guy thing for sure. Like my wife loves to hunt, you know, she, <clears throat> she moved to Wyoming from Minnesota, killed a bigger mule deer than I ever have, but um, <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she enjoys it too. And it's just, 
I think there's that, what's their saying? I've seen that girls hunt too. There's like a clothing line, I think, that goes along with it. And it's very true. And you know what? Even if she doesn't hunt, whatever she's passionate about, as long as she's passionate about something, I'm all for it. You know, it's healthy, happy, and just, that's all you can ask for. So. Yep. No, I, I agree. You know, somebody said, oh, they're, you know, you'll, as long as they're healthy and happy. And I'm like, well, I'm going to love her no matter what. Right. Even if she's, even if she's not those things, I'm still going to love her. So. Right. Yeah, man. Right. Before we get all turned into sappy dads, we got to turn this conversation 180. But uh, <laughs> oh man, with you, man. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. You were talking about turkey hunting a little while ago, and then that duck hunt that we had on some local water. I floated that water. When did I send you those photos? A week or two ago. Yeah, so those like big that. grounds. I think we must have come across two or three hundred turkeys. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and the toms were fighting already. We could watch them from the boat on the bait. They were just kicking the crap out of each other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's that yeah. time of year. I mean, they've been establishing that pecking order for a few weeks now. But, yeah, I, I've never seen a lot of turkeys down there. There's always some around. Right. But I've never seen a bunch. So that's crazy that you saw that many. Yeah, that's the most by far I've ever seen. I've floated that river, I don't know how many times, you know, in my lifetime. And that was the most turkeys we've seen by far i mean it was several stretches up and down that river you know it's not like it was one flock that was moving. we even saw they had to be drakes but like four of them fly from shore to shore and barely make it across you know inches above the water just <laughs> yeah it was kind of cool you know to see because we were wondering if one was going to end up in the drink and see how they got out <laughs> but, yeah. yeah they they fly a lot better than people give them credit for that's for sure but yeah Oh, yeah, man. So are you, are you planning on getting away or is the wife got you to do some turkey hunters? The wife got you nailed down. Probably no turkey hunting for this guy this year. We've got uh, a few uh, things going on with the little one on the way. Uh, some buddies and I, we had a, a dear friend of ours pass away last year. We're working on a memorial fishing tournament that's going to oh, take cool. place in, Idaho in May. So we're working on that as well. Um, got a fishing trip planned right, you know, the month before the babies do kind of my last hurrah going to go to keyhole reservoir see if we can just get away for a few days but other than that a lot of stuff here um yeah so you guys said you're gonna go over to the sheridan area no um that you know that that area over there is kind of funny um if you've got got access to private on that over there it can be lights out but once those turkeys start to start to disperse and they get up into the mountains, man, they can be really, really hard to find. And yeah. the way the land ownership plays out over there, most of those turkeys are spend the bulk of their time on private property. Well, and they're not dumb. Yeah. No, no. I mean, there's there's public for sure, but there's just, there's not a lot of public out over there that's that holds birds. And right. so, you know, you look at it and go, well, with gas at four something a gallon and time being what it is oh my gosh yeah. you know it's kind of like well let's let's hedge our bets and and do something figure something else out so we, we're going to do another montana hunt this year okay um, okay i'm not going to divulge a lot of details on that we'll keep that under wraps but there's another montana hunt on the way that'll be our first turkey hunt of the year so i'm pretty stoked okay. about that that'll be cool we're going to try to do some Try to do something a little different that we've never done before. Like I said, I'm not going to get uh, I'm not get too off, far off in the weeds on it, but it's going to be a kind of a collaboration with Beyond the Grid and what Dan, cool. and what Dan Picard does. And okay, so, okay. 
that'll be fun. We'll see what we can do there. And then I'm headed for for a, like a vacation, family vacation, the end of April to Iowa. And oh, I, okay, I, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna go hang out with my brother. And we're not. I I'm not filming that one. That one's that one's just for us. Um, just go have fun. Yeah, that's gonna be a family deal, and probably do Iowa. And then if we have time, he's really close to the Minnesota border, and so we'll swing up in there if we have time. Pick up a couple tags and see if we can kill a couple birds in Minnesota too. So, oh, and then come back, and we'll still and we'll still have lots of lots of general season in Wyoming left to hunt. Right. So, right. But yeah, with with time constraints and with like I said, with fuel costing Fuel's what insane. it costs right now. I don't I drive think... the diesel. It's yeah. Oh yeah, man. I, I don't see a lot of guys traveling at you know at these at these costs. You know, not no. not like they have like last year was insane. There were dudes all over the countryside. Well, People they had more time fishing, too. Recreating. Yeah. They were yeah, they were sick of being cooped up from COVID. They right. were sick of the way the what the world was going on in the world. They're like, yep. we're getting out. And there were there were people everywhere I went. You know, some of some of the honey holes that I have tucked away around the state of Wyoming, I hit later in the season. There was no birds left. There were no birds on them. Um, there was just a lot of a lot of hunting pressure. I I I don't I'm not complaining because it's great. People, I'm glad people are getting out. I mean, it's good it's for just, us, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if we're going to see that same impact this year with gas being what it is. Well, I just I just don't see how people can. Like I said, I drive a diesel. I think we're looking at buying a smaller uh, gas vehicle for me to drive. And what I can save by literally not driving that truck every month will pay for the car, pay for the insurance and the fuel, and I'll still pocket over 100 bucks. It's just it's nuts. And it's unfortunate where we're at, but I think it's really going to have an impact on hunting and stuff too, because ultimately a lot of those are going to run into freight lines. So costs to hunt as well, not just the fuel to get there. I'm afraid they're going to start to go up as well. And it's just kind of <clears throat> the spiral that we're in with everything that's going on in the world right now. And you know, what changes, what's going to, something's got to give for people to sustain, not just a livelihood, but any sort of like hobbies, interests, stuff like that, you know? No, I, I completely agree with you. If, if it's, I think it's, it's at that precipice where if it's not in your backyard, you're probably not going to be doing much of it, you know, That's for, for the average guy. I mean, still, there's still a lot of folks out there that they can afford that. They can do it. They can go and good for yeah. them. I'm, I'm happy. Right. For you. But I do think you hit on something there where you're going to see that you're going to see those costs go across more than just gas that that price of fuel is going to continue to affect shipping it's going to continue to affect the supply chain or it's like yep. yeah i'd love to go turkey hunting but man i can't even find ammunition or you know i can't whatever it whatever it might be i get questions every single day in my inbox like hey we're you know this is the only <laughs> ammo i could find what do you think and I'll be honest, I'll be just, I just try to be honest with people. I, I love shooting my, I love shooting my TSS turkey loads from federal premium. Absolutely love it. I think they're the best thing ever as a turkey Great load. load. Yep. But if you can't get your hands on them, you know, there's other, there's other loads, that you, there's other loads that you can shoot. You know, yep. it's like grab a box of federal, federal, um, pheasant loads, go out and shoot, 
you just got to get them closer. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. Like I've got buddies at federal and no lie. They have their machines going 24 hours a day right now. Cannot right. keep up. And they have over a billion dollars in back orders. Wow. Not million, but a billion. And it's just, it's insane. So, but what I'm also afraid of too, with gas prices going up, these costs are going to get passed on to the consumer. So they're going to be either priced out of the market and they're going to be so high. People don't want to purchase them, but then also the, we're going to run into the freight line costs where, you know, manufacturers, producers can be like, well, I don't want to pay that much for my materials. We're just not going to produce that item because we're not going to pay the ship freight costs. And then it's not available anyways. So I mean, there's two ends of the spectrum here with not much of a middle. Right. No, I, it's definitely, it's definitely, a, yeah, it's a bad deal, man. How, how has it affected you guys? Have you had, you've been able, it seems like I still see a lot of your product. You guys are still able to fill orders, but I mean, what does that look like for you? Um, yeah, it really did hit us hard last year, especially like our summer sausage kits. Uh, we had an order from January of 2021 for roughly 150,000 summer sausage casings. We did not fill that we get those until about two months ago. Did we get those casings on order? Yep. So we had to find backup suppliers that could fill a little bit here, a little bit there. And yeah, and then cost of some of our stuff, unfortunately, not everything's made in the US. Uh, we had to basically sign agreements saying, we're going to pay whatever you ship to us at, at whatever cost, or we don't get it without knowing the cost. Right. And it's, yeah, it for sure. So everything right now is in good standing with us because we've kind of slowed down to a normal time of year for us, but I can only imagine some of these bigger companies too. I'm just trying to get stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's been that way across the board. I was just curious to curious to know what, what it looked like for you guys. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it created some massive rollover for sales numbers um, from year to year, to where springtime's a little bit slower on, like the sausage and jerky type stuff. But some of that stuff rolled over because of backorders. It didn't ship until the springtime, so it kind of had a little bit of a skew on how things actually played out. So right, right. Mm -hmm. ah, that is so. wild. That is absolutely wild. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I don't know. Like you said, gas is one thing cost of ammo's up cost of everything is more expensive and harder to get and i think guys are going to see it you know they're going to see it at the restaurant they're going to see it at the bar they're going to see it at the hotel they're going to i you the the turkey hunt that you guys did a few years back you did with scott reekers and brandon mason and you guys did a, a tent camp like right like an elk like an elk style camp and Correct. i I think you're going to see more, more and more of that where guys are just like going out, have to. not doing the hotel. We're going to find a piece of public ground for dispersed camping, or we're going to stay in a campground, which good luck getting a spot in a campground because demand for that's through the roof too. Yep. So I don't know. Definitely. I guess the, I guess the, the point of all that is, is being creative. Yeah. You know, being creative and being flexible in, in your hunt plans because, man, you, you've got to be able to pivot pretty quick. That, that's, that's no lie, because it's one of, it's so many things can change that fast, like you're talking about, and then in the cost of the whole thing is really going to be prohibitive to people. Like you said, that's a great point of the 
elk style tent camp on public ground you're definitely i would imagine going to see more of that for those guys that are hardcore enough like they're not going to let this stop us they're going to come up with new ideas on how to make it work and so then restaurants and stuff because of cost being higher they're not eating out they're going to be grilling they're going to be cooking i mean there's people are going to definitely be emptying freezers and stuff like that for sure so. yeah no 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 doubt well and great for you guys eating out of the freezer you know gotta have gotta have some high mountain seasonings to spice that stuff up and, and i'm not trying to and, I, and i'm not trying to be doom and gloom here i i don't i don't want to sound like that i'm just no, trying to real, i'm just thinking yeah it's, it's kind of a realistic thing mm-hmm. and i guess though i guess my point is don't don't i guess the message behind that is don't not go hunting don't not get out go go hunting go do that but you may have to be honey holes yeah exactly (laughs) great (laughs) but it go hunt get out there keep keep doing it but you might have to be creative just because you can't rent a cabin or do a verbo there's you can still get out i mean I don't know about you, but I've I dirt bagged I've dirt bagged an awful lot of my life and slept in slept in the back of my truck on a lot of hunts over the years. I was just gonna say everyone's got a vehicle. I mean, you whether you sleep in the cab or in the bed, I mean that there's an option there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I sleep underneath it. I mean, you you can definitely do that. You could definitely yep. do that. And turkey season, man, the weather can be turkey season in Wyoming is a crapshoot, as you yeah. know. It it can be yeah. like 80 degrees one day and 14 and snow in the next. I had a hunt a few years back. We did a, a buddy was getting married that summer and didn't want to do a traditional bachelor party, wanted to do a turkey hunt. Okay. okay. Four or five of us went turkey hunting. And it's like, we're going to camp. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to tent camp and we're going to do this right and have a good time. And we hunted the first three days and it was, it was hot. It was hot during the day and sunny and dude we woke up the fourth morning and it was like six degrees and there was eight inches of this wet heavy snow on the ground welcome to wyoming exactly and it was the bird shut up yeah we didn't even we didn't go out that day it was we were getting our butts kicked anyway it was bird numbers were a little down that year and it was it was tough hunting and we we ended up going to the restaurant and getting breakfast and drying out and then packing it up and going home but sounds like a good idea for that morning for sure well it was that was about the best option that we had but yeah it's i guess the the whole point of that is you just don't know what's going to be thrown at you but that hunt obviously sticks in my mind made an impression we didn't even kill a bird right right but, yeah i mean it's and that's another thing too like with hunting just because you you don't have to harvest something for the hunt to be successful right it was just something that I think there's a lot of people have that misconception out there. Like, oh, I mean, it's again, like you just talked about going with your daughters, you know, or going with your buddy on that type of hunt. You take those, you're not going to remember what that, I mean, even if using our stuff, you're not going to remember what that bird or that animal tasted like 20 years ago, but you're going to remember that hunt, you know? And if you're just getting out to enjoy life, absolutely, you know? I got, there's, a million messages going through right now that's what that beeping is so sorry about that but it's gonna do it no matter what i do so oh man there was something that you said a little bit ago which was kind of interesting that 
Um, I like from our perspective, from what, you know, like you and I have done or do with our jobs, you said you're going to Iowa, you're going to hunt with your brother. You're not going to film that one. That's for you guys. Kind of along those lines of that's for you, not for us. I like that because a lot of the viewers who've seen like TV type shows or hunting type shows, there's a lot of work that goes into that for the, you know, for those of us that have been in front or behind the camera that not everyone sees. And just to take that time out for you, for you know, family, that's pretty legit. Like, I, I just don't know why that just came back to that, but it's uh, uh, something I commend you on because you don't always have to pack the camera. And I think it was even Ike Eastman who told me one time, you want to, you know, a perfect way to ruin a good hunt, bring a camera. That is very true. That is, that is very true. And I am, I am blessed with being able to do what I love for mm-hmm. a living. There's yep. no doubt. There's no doubt about that. And my job is my job here at Eastman's with Wingman. It's not to hunt. It is much multifaceted. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. It just, that's what you see, you know, is the, is out doing the hunting and di- different things like that. And it's, it's a blessing. It really is. There's no doubt about it. I'm not complaining, but I was hunting as I was hunting before this job and I'll be hunting after this job. You know, exactly. when, I, when I retire or when th- if things change or whatever comes down the pipe, still going to be hunting. And it's mm-hmm. something that my f- was instilled in me at a young age, like I'm trying to do with my kids. And yep. it's something that I love to do. And I was taking hunting vacations before, you know, before I was doing this, sitting here in this, in this editor's desk or doing podcasts. Exactly. And it's yep. going to, con- it's going to continue, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say there won't be a Tacticam on my gun barrel or a GoPro stuck in the leaves oh, or by, sure. by a decoy, but as far as going out and filming a show out of it, that's not the plan. You know, the plan right. is to go on vacation, see grandmas and grandpas. You know, we haven't been to, it kind of hit my wife and I that our girls, we start asking them about the house, you know, grandma, grandpa's house or this, that, and the other thing. We haven't been, they haven't seen their grandparents other than, skype zoom hangouts google whatever it is they haven't seen them not my on my wife's side of the thing they haven't seen their those people in like over over a year and a half you know so over over a year anyway and they they don't remember their grandmas their great grandmas in in iowa and so it's like time to make the trip yep exactly We'll go and it's gonna be that it's gonna be about family winding down, spending some quality time, and we'll chase some turkeys in the mix too. Cause that's just what we do. That just sounds like an a, like a perfect vacation. I mean, it's <laughs> you've got opportunities for those girls to meet grandparents or great grandparents, not everyone has. And yeah. Well, I think you gotta make that stuff happen. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like you guys, you're fortunate because you you're I think at least your family is right there in Riverton. My family is, yep, yep. We see her family a few times a year in Minnesota. So, I mean, obviously it's one of those, we'll make the effort. We're actually driving back in a month from now, we're driving back to Minnesota to go visit for a week, so. Cool. Well, good, good for you, good for you. Oh man, well, what do you have planned in the next few weeks? Just plugging away here, baby calves hitting the ground. Uh, about it building fence that time of year getting ready for 
for all the spring summer projects and yeah you know all the good stuff living in wyoming for sure yeah, how about you guys yeah no, same dude same um moving into a new house oh cool um getting that squared away kind of like what you guys were saying got projects mm -hmm. rolling with that and getting that done and then like like we said getting turkey season ramping up and i wish i was going on a snow goose hunt but that and that was that didn't pan out this year but you you did one a couple of years ago i did i did so i we did one in i've actually done two i've done one in watertown south dakota and one in missouri and uh that's a whole new ball game being able to pull the plug from your gun uh when those birds come in it's not just you know like canadians coming in either a single to bigger flocks when these things are coming in by the thousands when they're hitting the field right finding the x uh, we had one day we killed 102 snow geese wow and it was we'll never forget it um the day was almost a bust there was some miscommunication between our guide and the landowner the landowner's grandpa who owned the land gave him permission this grandson who farmed the land had given someone else permission so we got run off we had to take all the decoys and go find a different field oh. so yeah we take all the guides gear and everything he's with us you know, he smooths it all over. We're great. I think we killed 20 birds or something. And we go to a different field that he'd been looking at. We get all set up. He's like, well, I've got to go run, my, do my daily, whatever, four or five hours. I'll be back. You know, feel free to run the collar. Feel free to mess the decoy. So as soon as he left, we completely redid his entire setup. Like just, you know, how we would hunt had it been us. He showed back up three hours later. He goes, how's it going? And we pointed the power like we're at 92 birds. And, you know, the look on his face was like, no freaking way, you know, and it was like, yeah, we're eight birds shy of 100 and it would have been their first 100 for the year. And he shows up and then we're just sitting there talking BS, having a good time. And my buddy's son is laying in the blind. You know, he was 14 years old at the time. And we're like, man, what are we going to do? There's no birds. We want to get to 100. And he goes, hey, dad, what about those? And they are dropping from the heavens on us. I mean, they had to be a mile in the air. And I don't know how they didn't see us or they just didn't care. And we dropped 14 birds on that pass. Not 14, sorry, 10 birds on that pass. And it was, yeah, just I can't believe up. your guide left you out there. Apparently they have to go scout or nap or something during the day before they come out for an afternoon hunt. But we're allowed to stay if we want, left all his gear. And we just said, cool. Yeah, we know what we're doing. I mean, we pretended and it worked out. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we yeah, that's, that's not yeah. something you hear about very often, but I there's been times that yeah, there was a there was a morning in Oklahoma when I the we yeah, we had there were other guys with us and it was uh it didn't pan out the way we wanted it to. Right. And we had some guys that that flaked out and one and want to hunt and we ended up pulling the plug and I wish we wouldn't have because as we're loading everything up all the birds come in and it would have been it it would have been uh it would have been epic it would right. have been absolutely epic and i you know hindsight's 2020 i should have said nope that's fine you guys take off and go do your little patty cake thing whatever it is yep but you 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 can't be out here because it's windy and cold so i don't know what the deal was but it's still uh, do something yeah yeah and and we were and we were shooting little geese that morning little canadas and, and specs okay and uh but yeah it's it's funny that you say that because i i i if i could have if i could have a do-over on that one i said that's fine you guys take off we're staying yep 
And, and that's exactly what we did. We're like, you know, we could go nap at the hotel. We could go out lunch. We said, you know what? We got this. You know, we're here to hunt. Well, you're there to hunt. Yeah. You're there to hunt. You can, mm-hmm. you can take a nap in the hotel. Or you can take a nap in a layout blind. That that happened for sure. Yeah, and yeah. it's it always um, happens, Brian. I mean, for Carolyn, I don't think I don't think I've <laughs> I don't think I've been on a single hunt where there's layout blinds involved where somebody doesn't fall asleep. You I'm know, guilty. and subsequently yeah. gets buckled into their blind or the blind gets zip tied shut and it's take them and they're. Ah, ah. <laughs> I will say too, though, on those snow goose hunts, some of the experiences, you know, being able to pull the plug. And so we bought extensions for our shotguns. 15 rounds in a shotgun is heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta pick that thing up and swing it. And then we got guys unloading all 15 rounds at every single pass. About shot four or five. They're way out of range and they're just blowing through rounds. Right. Right. But, I, uh, I think that that's the mystique behind or the attraction behind snow goose hunting. Mm-hmm. Is you just go out, and when you get big spins like that, and big, you get big groups, you're just pulling, you're just dumping the plug, man. Just oh yeah, oh. taking it to the plug, hundred percent. I mean, and yeah. When it, else it, do you it, get to do that in waterfowling? You don't. Correct, and that's the cool part. It's just like, oh man, and everyone's hooting, hollering, cheering, high five, and afterwards, and it's yeah, it's one of those. You know, I remember the number of birds from that day. I remember us just blowing through ammo setting up the blind ourselves, but again it's not necessarily about what we harvested you know it all the other memories that go in with it too so heck yeah no it was yeah no there's a lot there's a lot of that dude where it's like the memories are the biggest thing you know we talk Mm -hmm. about it in on the on the big game side all the time where And I'm gonna and I'm gonna try to thin line here because I've got a I've got a cooking guy on the podcast, but there's more to hunting than the food. There's more to hunting than turning what you shoot into food. And that's I commend the this this new movement out there, this field to fork movement or you know, mm-hmm. field to plate movement, whatever you want to call it. I think it's great because it's gotten a lot of a lot of people into hunting and we need those people to continue hunting uh to you know we need that recruitment to recruit those folks but we need them to stay as well right and i think the longer they're in it the more they see hunting's not just about food hunting is about you yeah you're feeding your stomach but you're feeding your soul at the same time right it's kind of like in the lines of fishing yes you're not always keeping everything you catch i mean you're throwing a lot of it back and that's the thing with hunting you can't throw it back but it's it's the whole experience it's the yeah i get up you know we get up early in the morning to go hunt or fish and it's dark 30 and you're tired but i feel so rejuvenated after a stressful week of work instead of sleeping until 10 a.m going and doing something like that i mean just getting out and just yeah yep completely agree and then the, and then the bonds that you form with people out there in the field, mm-hmm. you know, that, that goes beyond the, the goose jerky, you know, that, mm-hmm. that goes, that goes beyond the venison steak. I, and I eat almost exclusively wild game, you know, mm-hmm. in my house, you go, you come to my house, you open those freezers and it's full of nothing but wild game. And we, that's what we eat. If you're eating meat at my house, it's wild game of some sort. Right. And I love it. 
I love the fact that it's healthy. I love the fact that it's sustainable, mm-hmm. responsible, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if that's only thing that we're that we're hunting for, we're missing we're missing part of it. We're missing right. part. Of it. I completely agree. I mean, it's just like a few weeks ago, I was in Powell and I stopped in not because right. we hunt together. I stopped in to see you guys, just to see you guys, you know, right. because of prior, you know, prior events, prior things that we've done together and work or not. Yeah. That wasn't a work trip. That was a, Hey, I'm going to go see my butts kind of thing. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's the same thing, you know, where we talk about, Oh, we, we got to get out more. We got to get out more. And yeah, it's great. We're going to bring some meat home with us, but we're going to bring home more than that too. You know, I think about that duck hunt that we did, that morning, you know, that was I cold. Think, I don't think you probably ever floated that river in the dark like that. No, I'm just glad you knew what you were doing in the dark. <laughs> because that was, uh, yeah, that was what four guys, a dog, a ton of gear, and I'm pretty sure all of our waders and had everything had ice on it by the time we set up. It was like three degrees that morning, three oh, or four degrees. It was it was single digits. Yeah, it was single digits. In fact, it was so cold that the birds really didn't do much until middle of the day you mean if you remember right we didn't start really getting into birds until the middle of the day until it warmed correct. up correct and one of my best memories from that hunt too we were actually talking about it when we floated it last week was Mackinac. watching that dog work that by far like because i have a, a pheasant dog that i had to retire and i've took taken him on numerous hunts i don't remember the birds i shot i remember working with the dogs i remember working with my buddies but like the like watching those animals especially work i mean You'd send him out, he would go down river and bring it back to us, you know, and it's just, and you could tell he was getting tired at towards the end of it, but he was loving it. And he's like, all you got to do is say go. And he was ready to rock. And it just makes me think of my short hair, you know, he's 13 now and he's he can no longer hunt. It's just those memories that I don't care if I kill the bird, but I'm out there with the dog that's loving being with me, loving what he does back to the same memories of your buddies. It, it all comes back to that for me. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. You know, it's funny you say that about Mackinac. We were we're putting together a new video right now, and I was just doing working through the rough cut on it. And there's some Mackinac footage. And Mackinac, Mackinac, this is his ninth hunting season this year, and he's a beast, man. But he's definitely a step slower. Was definitely yeah. a step slower this year. Needed a little more rest, um, but still out there getting it done. And I've got the new pup, Pondo, yeah. who's I'm working with him now that now that the weather's nice again, days are longer. I've actually got more time to like rededicate. We're not just doing obedience. We're getting out in the field. We're doing some drills and things now. And right. I've got the old dog sitting there on the sidelines watching. And then I got the new dog who's learning. And it was interesting the other day. We're running, running drills. We're just running single retrieves in, in the river, getting mm-hmm. him used to retrieving in the current. And Mac and I throw a bumper for I throw a couple bumpers for Hondo, and then Mac's right at my side at heel. I throw a bumper for Mac, and the difference in how they how they work the river current was astounding. Really, Mac and I, who's got the young dog, who's just pure energy and go right, right, and fighting that current, and then you got Mac and I, who literally I send him, and he takes a line, but he runs down the bank, gets even, gets a little below the bumper, then swims out and lets the bumper in the river current come to him. And then instead of turning upstream into the current, he just turns, goes, he turns downstream with the current 
and doesn't try to beeline it for the bank, lets it take him, Eddie out down the bank, and then comes back. It's an experience. The bumper that I threw, my young dog did the exact same thing. I was just going to say, you've got the absolute perfect teacher for that young dog in Mackinac. Well, trying. Right. I, th I think they learn a little bit from watching, but more than anything, it's just working them together and getting mm -hmm. out, getting there out there and getting the reps. But he definitely, he picked up on that. He, you know, he'd been turning upstream into the current and it pushing on him, you know, and expending way more energy than he needs to. And the next thing you know, he's turning downstream. He's not running the bank. He's still taking a line, which is fine. But, you know, and that, that's another thing talking about dogs and these river dogs. You know, you saw it, you saw it with Mackinac, and I see it with lots of guys and different dogs where you watch, you watch the dogs work on video or you watch them do other things, and you're like, man, that dog's not taking a line or that dog's not doing what it should be doing in an HRC, you know, deal. I, you're going to learn real fast with your little one your days of training a dog or running around the countryside to hunt tests or doing those things, especially out here in Wyoming, where my closest hunt test is going to be in Billings or Casper or Bozeman. Right. That's, that's not feasible. And so um, my dog might not be that perfect hunt test retriever, but he gets the job done. And that to me, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, salt, a salty meat dog, man. And it's a dog you've trained too. And yep. it's, I mean, and it's not just because we're on this podcast and we're friends. Like I've hunted with numerous waterfowl dogs. There's, you know, you, you, you can remember, you know, hunts and stuff. Mackinac is by far the top dog I have ever hunted with. Oh, there I, was, appreciate, I appreciate that. There was a we used to sponsor uh, another waterfowl show years ago, and they came up to hunt with us. They had a dog that they brought over from Germany specifically for this TV show. You know, supposed to be he made his stud fees somewhere in the seven hundred fifty thousand dollar range. You know, and he wasn't Mac. You know, and you just think back to some of those hunts. Like I've hunted with some bad dogs, and I just go, "Oh, you're ruining the hunt." No, yeah, I shouldn't say bad. That's dogs. frustrating. And I shouldn't say bad dogs. I should say poorly trained dogs. It's not the dog's fault. Right, right. I need to correct that. It's not the dog's fault. Poorly trained. But then there's a dog like Mackinac. And it's just one of those, like the aha moment for me, because I don't have, I mean, I've got a lab, but he's not a waterfall dog. He's a family pet. Watching them work that day on the river, like I know exactly what you're talking about on the retrieve, on how, especially as it got later in the day, he was a little tired, you know, worn down because we hunted all day in cold weather how he approached his retrieves versus getting in the water, go get it. He takes off hauling butt down the bank, sees the bird, then goes, gets it, floats a little farther down, gets on the, you know, it's easier to walk on the land than it is to swim up current. And yeah, it's those for me hunt, especially for birds, the dog can really make or break a hunt for right. sure. Right. Yeah. And well, that's, and that's what I'm working on with Hondo trying to get it. So he doesn't break hunts. <laughs> He's going to be great. He's going to be great, but he's definitely a, he's a hothead and a handful, but they're like, you know, they're kind of like kids in the regard that they're not, no two are the same. Right. And, uh, right. And I'm not. And I, and I love the conversation I had with Barton Ramsey when I picked Hondo up last summer, talked about, you know, you shouldn't be expecting, I want a dog just like the one that I had. Right. That's like saying I want all my kids to be exactly alike. 
that's you're you're missing out and it's an impossibility I mean, and why would you want them to be i mean especially for the you know they're all they're, dogs are just like people they've got their own personalities why would you want them to be the exactly the same because when you know god forbid someday we're not going to have our dogs that we're so near and dear to us that we've put this time to work into we don't want the exact same thing because then that memory of that dog that we've had for all those years would just suffer or fade or would go away because it's like oh i just got him back you know right you know and it's like you know it's it's the experiences too that you're going to have with hondo that you wouldn't have with mac and vice versa right that you're going to stick to and learn and remember from these hunts versus oh we killed a limit that day we killed you know we're a bird shy of a limit on that hunt that's not what you're going to remember you know it's going to be the personalities the quirks the the day you almost blew your lid because he made you so mad whatever oh, it is absolutely yeah. absolutely no you know i think Ernest hemingway said it and i'm gonna butcher this quote and i'm not even gonna try to direct quote it but Ernest hemingway said <laughs> if you've shot one bird flying you've shot all birds flying there's different birds there's different ways you hunt yeah. them there's different things but you're you're shooting a bird flying is the exact same and it never gets old basically was his point it's it's each right. one is special each one is unique but they're all similar and a dog is a dog right a lab is a lab but they're all unique they're all similar and like you said to try to duplicate those experiences that i had with Mackinac's folly i'm gonna mm -hmm. have my own experiences with hondo and i'm i'm looking forward to it like i said the, the training is ramping up again now and it's a ton of fun and hopefully Next winter, we can get you out and get you behind Hondo and see what it. you think. Let's do it for sure. Because like the conversation you and I had <clears throat> when I was there a few weeks ago, there's one tag that I am not putting in for this year because I do not want to draw it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we will make sure that's available. Yeah, dude, your bison hunt was a butt kicker. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, it's, I've got a photo of the one that I killed two years ago sitting here on my desk and the weather dependency on those wild bison is nuts. You have a season that's what, August 15th to January that's long. 3rd? Long, right? You should think no big deal. You know, you should fill all the tags. But where are the bison until about December 29th? In Yellowstone. Right. Federal lands that you cannot hunt. And bison have a gigantic coat on them. It takes a lot of snow to move them out. You do get a few here and there that come out early older bulls calves that have been kicked out or something for whatever reason but oh my gosh yes this year i mean i got a phone call from the guide service i was using oh get over here they're here i leave got there two and a half hours later oh they've already been blown out by other hunters you know it's just kind of one of those things and it's just i mean short of the fact that they're wild doing one of those farm hunts that they're ten thousand acres for those animals to run and hide on they're very similar you right. know and you get into the cost aspect of it like we just talked about with fuel costs and everything else the experience of the hunt is what i'm going to remember not i mean this one i've done it twice my time i'm going to remember whether i harvested or not sure right but the experiences that i went through on that hunt or some of those it's like they were good learning curves they were great experiences i'm always going to hold near and dear but again it's like i don't want to do that again so yeah well maybe this year you'll have some time because you're not going to be hunting bison 
you'll have some time to actually come and hunt some ducks and geese with us. <laughs> That'd be fun. Absolutely. Come run over the hill. It's we're two hours apart and we don't get to hunt together enough. Or Dude, fish it's, cra- together. it's crazy. Wyoming is Wyoming's an interesting state. The West is interesting because it's so diverse and there's so much ground out here that is barren of waterfowl. Like there's nothing. And then there's pockets where it's good. And right. yeah, you live in a pocket where it's good. I live in a pocket where it's good. There's a pocket that lies between us. And other than that, it's like people ask, well, I want to come to Wyoming and hunt waterfowl. Okay. There's, you two, know somebody. There's, there's two spots, you know, and it's, it's, I, and I'm by spots. I mean, there's two regions, two areas mm-hmm. that have waterfall and that's it. Montana's got more than what we have, yeah. but man, it's, well, it's, it's public tough. access too. That's a big thing. A lot of these birds are not on public no. areas where you can hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that hunt we did a couple years ago, there was one spot that we could stop that was public and that was it. You know, other than that, you either have to know the landowner, have a lease or yeah, or own it yourself. Right. Right. And it's, yeah, as the game's definitely changing, you know, the old knock on door days or they still exist. They still exist, but it's, it's tougher. It's, it's gotten, it's gotten a lot tougher and it's, and it's everywhere. I hear it from all over the country, whether it's guys down South or in the Midwest or out here, it's, it's tougher, but yeah, I don't know, man. We'll, we will definitely have to get together and do something, that's for sure. I agree. I absolutely agree. Well, I got a couple I got a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go, because 5 o'clock's not somewhere. It's here now. So uh, you, got, you got family to get home to, and so do I. But I got to go home and cook antelope backstrap with some high mountain seasonings for supper. Attaboy. See, I'm yeah. on the opposite. Yeah. I'm what? going out. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what were you should say? Oh, I was saying no. I'm on the opposite. I got a kind of a planning meeting for that fishing tournament we're putting on, so we're going out to dinner tonight. So that'll be fine. Uh, yeah, one night I don't have to do dishes. So. There you go. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your favorite high mountain product? Jalapeno summer sausage. Yeah, hands down. With I use antelope to make it. You know, two to one ratio antelope to pork. Jalapeno summer sausage kit, add in high temperature cheddar cheese. I smoke it for the first half of the instructions and finish it in the oven. Pro tip. Yep. So <laughs> so for me, I don't like a super strong smoke flavor. Yeah. I like a little bit. So that's why I finish it in the oven. I don't do it in the smoker the whole way. Got it. I can't bring that stuff into the office because it doesn't last. Oh, I bet. Right. And it's an antelope right there. Antelope. Every, summer sausage is, made, is great with all kinds of meat, duck, goose, everything. Antelope, I'm telling you, right now, phenomenal. My antelope don't make it into grind. They get, they get eaten before <laughs> that happens. <laughs> good. Oh, they are. They're, they are incredible. But I'm going to end you with this question. Yeah. If you could only hunt one bird one way, what's it going to be? Hmm. I'm going to go with pheasant right now. And that's just because it's going to include my bird dog that I currently have. Cause I've, yeah. If I had to choose one thing to hunt forever, not even just a bird, it'd be pheasants with him. Okay. It's funny, man. I try to ask that question of almost every guest and it seems like everybody's got a different response. A couple of guys mm-hmm. said pheasants, you know, a lot of guys say, Oh, I want to hunt. It'd be mallards in a cornfield or mallards in flooded timber or, honkers in a barley stubble field or you know whatever it might be but 
That's interesting. That's interesting. You guys have got pretty good pheasant hunting down there. It's it's not too bad. It's improved over the years with a lot of the big time predator hunters and stuff going. Um, we have the Wyoming best of the best and just predation type stuff has become another t avenue for hunting that it's really helped because it put a hurt on the bird numbers down here for the longest time. But, uh, you know, you're, 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 man, I have, I was on, we have another podcast now called predator pros mm -hmm. and with Jeff Nimnick and he was gracious enough to have me on. We were talking predator hunting. And I think, I honestly think that we, you know, we talk up the North American model of wildlife conservation a lot and rightly mm -hmm. so because we've brought species like pronghorn, for example, and wild turkeys literally back from the brink of extinction. Right. And it's because of the North American model of wildlife conservation, right? But one aspect of that model that's lack that we don't do is we don't control predators in this country the way that they do in Europe. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean everything from birds of prey down to weasels and raccoons and whatever it might be and you can definitely tell you know i'm out running around here at springtime and the pheasants are out running around doing their thing man there's a there's a hawk on every every tenth power pole there's yep. a hawk, there's a hawk there and those pheasants yep. I, don't, I don't know how any of them survive to be real honest and i'm not i'm not saying them. we need to start I'm not saying we need to start busting hawks left and right because it's it's illegal. That is not what I'm advocating for here. <laughs> what I'm saying is there's another there's another model to wildlife conservation out there that exists in Europe where they do control avian predators, especially. And, you know, but they don't have public hunting like we do. You know, they don't have the animals aren't in public trust. They, they belong to the property owner. It's, it's totally different, totally different. Right. But I guess my point with that is it's amazing to me when you start managing predators, how that, how quickly that adds up, how quickly mm -hmm. your, your bird populations can rebound, especially pheasants. Yep. Yep. No, you're hundred percent right. Like I said, it's, as a kid growing up here, it was tough to find wild birds. So it was always the game of fish stocked properties. And they're like, no joke, you're right. Even like out where I live, there's not many pheasants. But if there's a pheasant around, I bet you look, there's some sort of bird of prey not far away. Yep. It, it's all too true. And again, I'm with you. I'm not saying that's what we need to hunt or, you know, limit those. But there's definitely something to think about when it comes to numbers and why they are where they are. Right. So, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And you have years with easy winters. You know, you guys have had a mild winter. We've had a mild winter here. Parts of Wyoming have gotten pounded. But as a general rule, this around for us, winter's been easy. And so we've had birds of prey. This is as far south as they've come. You know, they, yep. they migrate right along with the waterfall. And yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. But well, Brian, I... I'm going to, before we get too far off in that, in, in, in those weeds, I'm we going to say, going for a while. Yeah. oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. But I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, I've enjoyed it, man. And good luck with that little one that's on the way. I'm excited Appreciate to it. see how you, uh, how you handle being a daddy. I think you're going to be great. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Like you said, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the partnership. And partnership or not, like I said, these are the kind of conversations you and I'd be having high mountain seasoning, oh, yeah. uh, same kind of thing. It's, uh, I hope everyone who listened to us enjoyed it. 
it's one of those it's just two dudes who enjoy what we do and just you got to take every advantage you can in life there you go two dudes podcast brought to you by wigman and high mountain seasoning i love it there you go <laughs> cool man have a good night i'll talk to you later sounds good later brother